Philippians chapter 2, Brother Keith reached out of Philippians, uh, different parts of Philippians, and uh, particular this part. I want to take this text in Philippians 2 and verse number 9. The title of the message, you'll see this on the screen, The Believer's Great Confession. We're going to talk about the Believer's Great Confession today. Here is, pardon me a second, I've got to get my glasses, put it on pause on the live stream. <laughs> You young folks don't have that problem, but you will. Yeah, you'll get to 50-something. Come on, amen. There we go. Hello, church. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9. This is so powerful. These verses are absolutely incredible. Let me tell you this. Look at me a second. You, you get this, you'll view life differently. You get this, life won't step on you anymore. You'll see yourself different. You'll see your circumstance different. You'll face storms and trials different. If you can get, get this one truth that I want to bore in on this morning. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. It reads like this. Therefore God, this is speaking of Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. I just love saying that name, don't you? Jesus, nothing like it, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. But Sister Stephanie, almost every song fit perfectly in this sermon. I haven't talked to her about what I was going to preach just right before service. She'd already picked all these songs. Almost every single song fit perfectly with what the Holy Spirit's saying today in his word, and I appreciate that. Jesus, every knee should bow to those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess, say this with me, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, say it again. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, bless the reading of your word today in Jesus' name. The believer's great confession. Listen to this poem, I guess. It's called Christ My All. Christ for sickness, Christ for health. Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth. Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today and Christ tomorrow, Christ my life, Christ my light, Christ for morning, noon, and night, Christ when all around gives way, Christ my everlasting stay, Christ my rest, Christ my food, Christ above my highest good, Christ my well-beloved, my friend, Christ my pleasure without end, Christ my Savior, Christ my Lord, Christ my portion, Christ my God, Christ my shepherd, I his sheep, Christ himself my soul doth keep, Christ my leader, Christ my peace, Christ hath brought my soul's release, Christ my righteousness divine, Christ for me, for he is mine, Christ for wisdom, Christ my meat, Christ restores my wandering feet, Christ my advocate and my priest, Christ who, ever, Christ who never forgets the least, Christ my teacher, Christ my guide, Christ my rock, in Christ I hide. Christ the everlasting bread, Christ his precious blood has shed. Christ has brought us near to God, Christ the everlasting word. Christ my master, Christ my head, Christ who for my sins has bled. Christ my glory, Christ my crown, Christ the plant of great renown. Christ my comforter on high, Christ my hope who draws ever nigh. Hallelujah. Come on, say Christ with me. Christ. 
an 18th century preacher named S.C. Gordon, he tells a story about an older woman that as she, as she got older, her memory began to slip. At one time, she could, knew most parts of the Bible and could, could draw large portions of Scripture and to quote them from memory. But as she got older, her memory began to slip. And as the years went by, she really could only remember one verse of Scripture in Timothy. And it goes like this. I know whom I have believed. And I know that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. And that was all she could remember. Well, as she gets older, she couldn't even remember the whole verse. To finally, it got down to that which I've committed to him is all she could remember. And then as she was, was hovering between earth and heaven on her deathbed, she was mumbling some words. And her loved ones were gathered. They, they, they put their ear down, and they were like, well, she may need something. And then they heard her saying this, Him, 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 Him. She had lost every bit of the Bible but one word. But in that one word, she had it all. Come on, she had it all. Him today, come on. Jesus today is our living Lord. When we think about this today, here's, we've just come through Easter, and I thought we just had a, such a blessed Easter day. I enjoyed worshiping with you. I'll tell you what the highlight of my morning has been this morning. I just, I, greeting you folks coming in the door today so blessed me. Just shaking your hand and hugging your neck. I just love worshiping together. But last week we came through Easter. And Easter season is the most sacred season, the most sacred weekend, Good Friday through Easter. It is the, the highlight of the Christian calendar. Not the birth of Jesus, so that's great. The Advent's great. The great resurrection day is great. And we looked and we saw how the disciples, I mean, I, their emotions, as you read the, the Gospels, their emotions are just back and forth. They go from great hope. This is the one. He's the one. He's going to restore Israel. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And then all of a sudden he's dead and he's on the cross dying and he's dead in the grave. And they went from hope to incredible disappointment. And then all of a sudden he's back again and they go back to hope again. It's amazing. But, I, but, but what I want you to see in this message today, and I thought about this, this was on my heart this week, that we believe that Jesus is Savior. Come on, amen. We believe that Jesus is the resurrected Lord from the grave. Now, think about this. Jesus, Savior, He died for our sins, dealt with sins. He rose from the grave on the third day. Thank God He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Death doesn't hold sway and fear over us anymore. But do you know what? If you leave it there, it's incomplete. Is he the Savior? Yes. Is he the risen Lord? Yes. But what we need to see today in this message, the believer's great confession, he's more than that. He is that and more than that. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself, and I want us to ask ourselves as the church. How do we see Jesus today? Now think about this. He's, he hung on the cross, but he's not hanging on the cross today. I know in some churches you go in, Jesus is like hanging on the cross we have no crosses like that. Though we love the cross, but our cross is empty. Come on, amen? Because he's not on the cross. So he died on the cross. He's not dying on the cross anymore. Done. 
He raised from the dead, but he didn't raise from the dead this morning. He did that 2,000 years ago, correct? How do we see Jesus today? How do we see our Lord today? How do we look at him? Well, think about this. Here's the, here's the first century church. Jesus raised from the dead. How many, how many days did he meet with them after the resurrection? Remember? How many? 40 days. For 40 days he met with them, and he gave them what Acts 1 and 3 says, many infallible proofs. That means undeniable proof. Undeniable 40 days. Not one day, not two days, 40 days he's teaching them. Now, we don't, get it. We don't know how many meetings in 40 days. We know there were many, but do you know we do get in on one? We get in on one. We get, we get the secret words that were there, that private meeting, and we get it in Acts chapter 1. And right here in verse number 6, here's what it says. Now they ask him a question. Therefore, when they had come, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has given in his own authority, but you shall receive power, right? You don't need to be concerned about the physical kingdom. You need to be concerned about being full of the Holy Spirit and taking the gospel to the whole world. Before I do that, I'm going to come back and do that. But, but before I do that, you need to be concerned with receiving the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do what I've called you to do. You're going to be my witnesses, etc. So he get, we get in on that. And then all of a sudden, we get in on their last meeting. You know what we call this? See, we, we, we call his death on the cross, his substitutionary death. Uh, he, he's dying for our sins, resurrection. This, this last meeting is called the ascension. Everyone say the ascension. So all of a sudden, they're there, and we look at verse about number 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood before him in white apparel. And he said, they said, who said, said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up into heaven, up from you into heaven, will come in like manner as you have seen him go. That's the last of the 40-day meetings that they had for him. So think about this again. Emphasis here. Think about this. Jesus died for sin, but he's not suffering for sins today. He resurrected, but he didn't resurrect today. He did it 2,000 years ago. So for 2,000 years... Jesus has been doing something. We need to see Jesus not hang on a cross, but we need to see him as what we're talking about today, the believer's great confession. Now, think about this this morning. What is the believer's great confession? What is it? Does the Bible anywhere... Now, we've read our text, but that's not the only place. Think about this. What is the believer's great confession? A lot of people would say, well, Pastor, the believer's great confession is Jesus is the Savior. Well, he is the Savior, and I thank God he is, because every human being needs a Savior. But that's not the believer's great confession, and I'm going to prove it to you. Because the phrase and the title, as Jesus being the Savior of the world, is used 16 times, 1-6, 16, my daughter over here, 16 16 times. Where is she? She's right there. There she is. 16. 16 times in the Bible, the term and the phraseology or the equivalent is used, Jesus is Savior. Guess how many times 
the great confession is. The good confession, the great confession is used, which is Jesus Christ is Lord. Savior's used 16 times. In the New Testament, over 450 times, the term and the phrase and the title, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our great confession. You know the song, He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is Lord. And this book, as I've read to you, says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And I'm so grateful for that. So what does it mean that he is Lord of our lives? Can change your life. Can change who you see yourself as who you follow. Can change the way you face difficulties can help you in every aspect of life. In fact, if you don't get this, you're incomplete. If you don't get this, something's going to be missing in your life. But if you can get this, if you can get this one truth of Jesus being the Lord, it will completely transform your life. So let's look at it. Just two or three things. I won't be long here this morning. What does it mean that he is Lord? What does his lordship mean? Let's phrase it that way. What does his lordship mean? First of all, it means this. That he is worthy of our praise today. He is worthy of all the praise that we can give him. This is a book of worship. This is a book, you know, I hear people say, you know, hey, I, I kind of have my own way that I worship. No such thing. No such thing as the only, there's only one way of worship. There it is. Come on. Come on, church. Are you with me? This is a manual of worship. This is the manual of living. There's no such thing as saying, well, I've got my own way of doing it. Well, then you've got your own church over there. This is a book of worship. And one of the neat things that I want to show you this morning is the phraseology or the scriptures in Philippians 2 where it starts out, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you'll notice, and not in this text, but in, in many texts, it'll be italicized which means there are quotes out of the Old Testament and things. But do you know what many great scholars believe? Many great scholars believe that that portion of Scripture was one of the first century songs, hymns that the church sang. So when you're reading, you know, let this mind be in you, or when you're reading uh, that, that he's given him the name that's above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, what you're actually doing is you're reading something that our first century brothers and sisters sang. They would get together like this, and they would sing this great theology. They would sing about his lordship. They would sing about his great pouring out, his great kenosis, the great humility, his death on the cross. These are things which he sings. Let me tell you what they would sing. And listen, what, what I want you to know, God loves our singing. He loves our worship. I, I enjoyed these songs this morning. I don't know about you. I don't endure church. I love going to church. Nobody ever has to beg me to go to church. We're worshiping. We're singing one of these songs. What song did we write? Who wrote one of the one song? Tori. Tori wrote one of the songs there. And about Yahweh and about he'll never let you down. He'll never fail you. Well, this is one of the songs that the Holy Spirit gave the first century believers there. And gave to Paul. And they would sing and they would worship. You know what his lordship means? His lordship means I got to worship and I got to give you my best. You hear what I'm saying? We need, we need to learn to worship. Well, I've been worshiping for 42. I don't care if you've been worshiping 100 years. We can always do better. We need to give him our very best. Remember this? Remember the little lady that broke the alabaster box? It was a year's worth of salary. It would have cost a year's wage for what she gave him in that moment of worship. She loved him so much 
Don't you think we should give him our best? Get our hands out of our pockets. Get our hands up. Get our voices raised. Get our countenance up and bring all the glory to him. Why? He's worthy of our praise today. Man, he's a great Jesus. What a great Jesus we serve. Even in this, listen, remember this verse here? This is a, a verse of praise. Ephesians 1, 3. Bless me. This trans, bless me, but the NIV says, praise me. Listen, listen to the phraseology. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to him. Wow, what's in Ephesians 1? He's going to start talking about the work of the Father, the work of the Son is shedding his blood, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the great work of redemption. And he's saying, before I even get into this, I want you to praise him. Listen, he saves you. You ought to praise him. Let's think about this. You're not going to die and go to hell forever. Come on, somebody praise him. He made you his child. Praise him. He's blessed you with his Holy Spirit. He's given you his word. He's given the church. He's with you all the time. What a great God we serve. Praise him, somebody. We ought to praise him. We ought to worship him. His lordship means he is worthy of praise today. We ought to praise him. We ought to praise him higher, louder, more sincere in our hearts and in our lives today. What a great God we serve. You know why we should praise him? All blessing it comes from him. He has blessed us so much. We are, we are, he is gearing us up for future expansion. That's what's happening right now. God's saying, I'm putting the building box in place because I'm growing you. I'm going to bless you. Harvest is coming. And God's saying, you prepare, you plant the seed. I'm going to water it. Come on, you plant the seed. You sow the seed and watch what I do. You sow in faith and watch what I will do. This lordship of Christ means that he is worthy of all of our praise. What are they doing? We get a heaven scene. We get heaven scene. We're so blessed. Buddhists don't get this. There's no, nothing like this in Buddhism or any other kind of religion. But you know what we get? We get a picture of our home and what's happening in heaven. So we get a snapshot of heaven. John the Revelator gets the vision. And then all of a sudden, he's caught up into heaven in the spirit. And he looks. And guess what they're doing in heaven? Look at this. I'm going to read it to you. Look at this. This is Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says here, And they sang a new song, saying... Now think about this. What am I talking about? The Lordship of Christ. The believer's great confession. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's on his throne. He's the exalted Lord. He's not the Christ hanging on the cross anymore. He's not even the Christ just risen from the dead, but he's the exalted Lord, ruling, reigning from heaven. He's worthy. Now, now that, that thought, pick it up in here. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Jesus is Savior. Read on. And it made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them. Listen to this. You math, math major, come on, help me here. Didn't do good in math, by the way. It's good in history, but terrible in math. Uh, was 10,000 times Ten thousands and thousands of thousands. I mean, you're talking about a concert. You're talking about some worship going on. Look at this, saying with a loud voice. 
It's all right to get loud in church. It's all right to praise Him with a loud voice. The only quiet places are cemeteries. It's very quiet there. But we have the Holy Spirit here. Jesus is alive in this place. Glory to God. And then He said, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. And every, every creature, John sees, which is in heaven and on earth, every creature... My little nightingales living in my back bushes there. They, they chirp and talk to each other all night. Got one on this side of the patio and one on this side of the patio. And they talk to each other all night long. They're going to praise. They, they praise, right? The little rabbits that live under my gazebo, they're going to praise them too. Come on. Amen? The little lizard that lives in our tree, he's going to praise him too. Come on. He said, where do you live? In the Garden of Eden. Come on. Amen. <laughs> And every, and such as are in the sea, and all that's in them, saying, now capture this, blessing and honor and power be to him who, what? Sits on the throne. Is he on the cross? Was he on the cross? Yes. Did he raise from the dead? Yeah, 2,000 years ago. On the throne today. Jesus is on the throne today. And to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. The 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever. Yes, he's the Savior. Yes, he's the risen Lord. But today, he's the exalted ruling king sitting at the Father's right hand. He is the head of the church. The church will be built because the gates of hell cannot stop the church because they cannot stop Jesus. Glory to God. He's worthy of our praise. Now, let me hurry. Here's the second thing I want you to see. What does his lordship mean to us? Number one, it means that he is worthy of all of our praise. But here's the second thing. Take a little moment on this. Him being Lord means, now look at me, he can handle all your problems. It's Lord, he can handle all of your problems. Now some of you today, now Sister Plocky, she's got surgery tomorrow. And I called her this morning Pray with her on the phone. Such a sweetheart. She's just such a loving person, and she just loves each of you so much. And, and I want you to be praying for her. She broke her ankle, and she's having some surgery tomorrow, and, and we're going to just want to make sure she's covered in prayer, you see. Problems all around us. You're not going to get out of life without problems. Anyone that said that, oh, I'm become a Christian, and all the problems are going to go away, they've got a way weird brand of Christianity no, we live in a tough world. We go through trials, storms, and difficulties. And sometimes becoming a Christian doesn't lessen troubles. At times, it increases trouble because you've got the devil to fight against. You've got demon spirits that want to hinder you. You've got lost people at times that persecute you. Not that we're trying to incite that. We love lost people. But yet, you know, our values are different. You understand? Completely separate. But God can handle your problems. I'm thinking... Today, how, how do we do, what do we do with our problems, Pastor? What do we do when we face difficulties and storms and we go through those things? We give them to God. We do, we do what the New Testament church did. I want you to look at a prayer. Let's go to a prayer meeting. Can we do that? Acts chapter 4. Here's Peter and John in chapter 3. Remember the hour of prayer? The, the, the lame man, been, been lame 30-something years. And then all of a sudden... Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, and then the, apparently the Holy Spirit just indicated in his heart, you need, to, you need to minister to this guy, and the man thinking he's going to get silver and gold, not knowing that God's about to give him a transformative miracle. 
And, and he said, expecting to receive something. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give out of thee. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. He took the man by the hand, pulled him up. God gave his ankle strength, and he began to walk and leap and praise God. Went to the temple, and it just caused, it caused a scene, but a great scene. Crowd gathered, and they said, listen, don't look at us as if something holy and righteous in us caused this man to be whole. But let me tell you who did it. His name is Jesus Christ, whom you and your leaders crucified, and you need to get saved. Well, the leaders didn't like that. So they, they incarcerated them for a little bit, and they warned them, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Don't talk. You can talk about God. You know, they do that in our world. Just talk about God. Just be general. We don't know what God, but just, just, just talk about God in general terms, and we're all, you know, everybody go along and get along. Oh, no, no, we're going we're gonna to say his name. Say it. His name's Jesus. Come on, Jesus is the Lord. He is, the, he is Lord of all. And so Peter, now full of the Holy Spirit, not afraid anymore. I mean, the Holy Ghost will supercharge you with boldness. You'll get crazy. And, and so what happened is he said, well, he said, you guys, let me tell you this, whether it's right in the side of, you know, your side or not, we're going to obey God rather than the man. Because in verse 12 of chapter 4, there's no other name given under heaven, uh, given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. And so they warned him, okay, we told you. Now later on, fifth chapter, he beat him up a little bit. This time they warned him and sent them away. Now here they come to the prayer meeting. Now they here they come back to the church. Now I want you to hear the prayer. I'm telling you, Jesus is the Lord. He can handle any problem that you have. He is greater. Come on, I'm trying to preach you up here. He's greater than your problems. I'm going to get you preached up before we get out of here. You're not leaving here. We're going to be hungry about 2 o'clock. Come on, get with me here. I'm trying to beat the devil up and lift you up. Come on. I want you to listen to the prayer meeting. You can hear where somebody's faith is. If you just listen to somebody, let go to the prayer meeting. Just listen for a little bit. You can hear where some, what someone really believes or not. So let's go back 2,000 years. Let's get in on the prayer meeting, and I want you to see what they believe. Now notice the words. Twice in this little passage I'm going to read to you, the word Lord in the English, L-O-R-D, is mentioned. But they're not the same Greek words. They're not the same. Same English words. The first one is despotus, means owner, ruler. Over. The second one is curios, which means master, ruler. But they're in here. Let's look at chapter 4, Acts, and verse 23. And being let go from the mean old rulers, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them, so when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, we're going down for the last time. We're, oh, is that my misreading this right here? Come on. Read right, Bible. What's going on with you? Oh, that's the other denomination. That's not our. That's not Assembly of God prayers, right? Now, here it is. Look at this. And he said, say it with me, Lord. Come on. You are God. You have made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So you know what? New Testament church, New Testament first century church, they believe they had a God that created the whole world. Now listen, if you have troubles, which we all have it at times, if you have a vision, a theology that's true like that, when you face troubles, trials, and storms, you're not going to cave in. You're going to buckle down. You're going to batten the hatches down and say, we're going to make it through. Look at this. Now, come on. we got to read some more. Now, you're getting with me now. You're doing good now. I'll let you out at one now. We're getting better. <laughs> okay, look at verse 25. 
who by the mouth of your servant David said. Why? Now this is a quotation. This is Psalms 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the curios. Different, different word. Against the Christ. Now look at this. God can handle your problems. This is what they believed. Against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Notice verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose had determined before to, to be done. Now, Lord, come on, you're with me. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants that we may with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed like this, come on, this is kind of prayers where the Holy Ghost shows up. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Come on, Jesus is Lord. He can handle our problems. And when you have a problem, this is how you need to approach it in prayer. You need to go in prayer and say, God, you're Lord, you're God, you're despotous, you're, you're curios, you created the world, you own everything, you control everything, and I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know you're greater, and God, you're going to do great and mighty things, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will show up in your prayer meeting. Why? Because he's Lord. Now think about this quickly. You know, Stephen went through some problems, and, and he was martyred for the Lord, and he stood up in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 7, and he's preaching a sermon to him. That guy knew the word. I mean, he's a Holy Ghost deacon. He preached all the way from Genesis all the way through the whole thing. And he's right on target. And they were so angry at his preaching. They began to gnash their teeth. They, they took him out. They stoned him. And as they were stoning him, 754 through 56 or so, it said all of a sudden, he looks up and has this vision. And guess what? What does he see? Is Jesus, was he on the cross? Was he, was he raised from the grave? He was. 2000, but no, no. Now he's standing at the right hand of God. Now, some scholars have said he was standing to welcoming him in to heaven. But I don't know that that's true because the Bible doesn't say that. Okay, I think he was standing watching it, watching it all. I think he's watching over the scene. Do you know God's watching over you? I'm going through a trial. It's all right. Jesus right there watching you. He's saying that you're going to make it. I believe in you. I believe in you. I have confidence in you. And, you know, Job's wife said, just curse God and die. No, I'm not going to curse God and die. He's blessed me. I'm going to. And God's saying, that's right. I knew Job. I knew Job would, would stand tall. God's standing up. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through the fires of affliction, Jesus is standing right there going, you can do it. I'm watching over you. You say, this is too much, but it's not really too much because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 said he doesn't put more on you than you can bear. You have all the grace you need. You have all the strength you need. He's standing up next to God's throne, not on the cross anymore, not just raised last week, He's watching over you from the most powerful position in the world, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and you're going to make it through. He's the Lord. He can handle your problems. Now think about this. Just think about a few little thoughts here, and then we'll, we'll wind this down. The, um, the throne. 
It's a throne of grace. You, you go there, Hebrews 4.16 says that come boldly, come, come confidently. Your heavenly Father wants you to go there. Not mad at you. He's not beating you up. He's saying, come. you say, well, I failed this week. Okay, well, we, we all fail at times. Run to the throne. Don't run away from Father. Come on, run to him. Run to him. And, and, and at the throne of grace, you're going to find mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. That word corresponds with hesed in the Old Testament Hebrew, which means loving kindness. In the ESV, it says, and I like, the, I like this in the ESV, steadfast love. In the Old King James, loving kindness. Well, I love that too. Because these songs and scriptures I've memorized. Thy loving kindness, right, is better than life. Thy loving kindness, come on, King, is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto thy name. And the rest, I'm like that old woman, I forgot the rest. <laughs> but what I'm telling you, when, when you come to the throne of God, you're going through a tough time. I want to tell you, God can handle your problems. Why? He's not on the cross anymore. Thank God he went there. We always talk about the cross. He's raised from the dead. But I tell you today, you need to see Jesus. He's in the most powerful position in the universe. He is the Lord, the curios, the master, the sovereign, the creator of all. And everything you need is there at his throne. That love is there for you. That loving kindness is there for you. Right there. And this is, this is an on-time help. He's an on-time God. Psalm 46.1, the Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Where's the Lord? He's right there with you. Call upon his name. His name is the most powerful name in the universe. John uh, 14, 13, 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified. Do you need a miracle? Ask. Do you need healing? Ask. Do you need finance? Ask. Do you need heaviness? Let's off, off of you. Ask. Whatever you need, God's loving kindness is, he, He'll move heaven and earth to get to you. That's the love He set upon us. He can handle your problems. Why? He's Lord. He's the Lord of all. Unlimited, unlimited power. Now, let me touch on this last one because I just felt in prayer this morning that I needed to say this. Here's the third thing, and we close, and that's this. As, now, think about this as Lord. We see it 450 times or more in the New Testament. He is worthy of our praise. I mean, if he's who he says he is, no half-hearted worship, no showing up every four, six weeks and, you know, you know, give one week, don't give this week, come in, hands in pocket one week, next week shouting around the church. No, no, no. He deserves our best all the time. A worship that costs us something. A worship that we sacrifice. Why? He's worthy. He's Lord. He's worthy of our praise. But also his lordship means he can handle your greatest difficulty. No matter how painful, no matter how long you've been there, no matter if someone did it to you, no matter if you did it to yourself, his loving kindness is at his throne. And his mercy is there for the asking. But the last thing I want you to see about his lordship is this. He, listen to this. He offers us pardon and he offers us security. He offers us pardon. And he offers us security. I'm going to show you this verse. Look on the screen. Hebrews 7.25. Here's a beautiful verse. Hebrews 7.25. And we're closing. It's a great verse. I've underlined this. I don't know if you're writing your Bible. I under highlight my Bible. I've got different highlights with 
you know, some is blue, some is purple for different things. And uh, like right there, I wrote something purple because it has to do with heavenly things. And a legion of angels, 12 legions, I wrote in my margin, 72,000 angels. And I just flipped there. That's good. I may want to start my sermon again. That's good right there. Got some mighty angels for us, right? That's too, he, Jesus said, he's standing before those leaders. They said, you know, don't you know we could take your life? He said, I could call 12. My father sent me 12 legions right now. 72,000 of them. But he said, I won't do it because I love, I want to die for the people. Now look at this. Hebrews 7.25, therefore, look at this, he is able to do what? To save to the uttermost. That means completely. He's able to save us completely, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, I want you to see this. He's, he's able to save you no matter who you are. He's able to forgive the darkest, most wicked sins that we could ever, ever imagine. Amen? He can forgive all those sins, all this stuff. Listen. All this now, I would say this: God doesn't save us in our sin; He saves us from our sins. In other words, in other words, we can't claim forgiveness and say, "I'm just going to keep doing this because God's so full of love; He's going to overlook that." That's not how God deals with sin. But what I am telling you: all this crazy stuff that's going on in our world today—the most wicked, vile, wicked immorality, twistedness—that's going on. Do you know God is able to save people like that? There's nothing too hard for God. He is able to save us. He's able to pardon us. Now, thank God. He's able to pardon you and me. I don't know about you. I'm really praising God for that right now. Because, listen, if, if he couldn't, we're all in a pickle. Just think about this. When we come to Christ and ask him for mercy and turn away from those things and place our trust in him, he truly washes those things away. We're not the same people we used to be. But, but that's only part of what I want to say. The next thing is this. He's able to save us completely. Now, here's the thing. I, sometimes I wish the moment someone gets saved, God would just whoosh, take them right to heaven. And some of you wish the same thing, don't you? Like, Because you know what? After you got saved, you know, remember this. Just back up. When you got saved, oh, you were just on cloud nine. You thought, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. I'll never have trouble again. And then all of a sudden, you were tempted again. Oh, so you weren't tempted again. Okay, well, you got your halos all on this morning. No, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And all of a sudden, you went through a trial, or you dealt with your flesh, or you dealt with some difficult thing, and then all of a sudden, the fun wasn't so fun anymore because you're in the fires of trial. You see, so here's the one I'm going to tell you. Not only can he pardon us, but he can secure us. He can keep us saved. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to get to the finish line and, and, and peter out and say, well, you know, I want, to, I, want to, I want to have an abundant entrance in the kingdom of God. Here's what I, I want you to hear, and I'm done. I can't do that on my own. I've, I realized long ago, I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't. I don't have the strength. I don't have the willpower. But you know what? As I read the book, here's what I find out. He doesn't expect me to do it on my own. Christianity is not willpower. It's Holy Ghost power. So here's, here's the last verse. Here's the verse. This is two, two, Philippians 2, 12, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you look at that verse and you go, whoo. 
work out my own salvation. Oh, but you got the next verse. It's him who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. And I might have kind of twisted that a little bit, but that's the basic meaning of it. Maybe today you're struggling with the sin, but I want you to know he's got grace. He can keep you secure. He can keep you safe. He can keep you close to him today. Why? He's the Lord. He's not going to let you down. You may let yourself down. Now, you could go away from him, but I don't plan. I'm just clinging to him. And if you read that verse in Hebrews where it says, he that comes to God through him, the tense of the Greek is he keeps coming. You keep coming. Don't stop coming. No matter how much you stumble, just keep coming. Just keep coming. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep clinging to Christ because he's the answer. I want you to stand with me as I pray for you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for you today. I love each of you. And what I want to, I, I think what I want to do this morning is uh, if you're having a struggle, whatever it is, it may just be one person, it may be several people. But what we need to know that the Lord can handle our, our problems. Sometimes we carry those problems on our own and they get so heavy and then they just beat us down. But we just need to rest in Christ. We just need to surrender to Christ. And, and, you know, you never know what a person's going through. Sometimes mentally, emotionally, a person's a wreck. Uh, Depression's a real thing in people's lives. Um, People can get discouraged. Uh, You know, I I remember as a kid, and I I won't be too personal, I was so empty. There was so much tension in our home. It just did something to me. It really messed me up as a kid. I don't think parents realize what tension does and what anger and all that does to a child. It it is just horrible. And I remember how there was a time I didn't want to be at home. There's a time I ran away from home as a, as a kid. I didn't, I've never even told you that. I did. I ran home. I was never going to come back. I was tired of being in all the tension. And I left home. And you say, what would you do? Whatever. I slept next to pools. I slept wherever I could. I didn't want to be at home. I, my life was a wreck. I was young. I was younger than this young lady right here. I was an empty guy. And And... And I would not have gone back home. But something happened, and I, I had to go to the emergency room because I got hurt. Well, I got in the emergency room, and they called my dad, and he shows up, you know. But the tension that was created there, and, and I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying that's the way it was. And it just, the kids are going through a lot today. And maybe you're feeling that. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you feel heavy. Maybe it's a financial deal. I don't know. But I would just like to say a quick prayer for anybody that just says, I need God to handle this. I need God to help me with this. If that's you and you just want to join me for a quick prayer at the end of this service, I want you to come right here. And basically you're saying, I'm bringing my my difficulty to God and we're going to pray that God would handle this and work it out. I want you to come if right here, if you want to come. Anyone, maybe no one, that's good. I'll preach my heart to you and, and maybe that's enough. Maybe you felt faith. But if you want to pray with me, I'll just join you right here. I'm going to wait just a moment. I want you to come.